Tonight, presenting your body in worship to make the beauty of Jesus visible in this world. The text we've been looking at for, this is the fourth Sunday night, in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So there's physical bodies and spiritual worship, and they're linked together. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and and perfect. This is the fourth study in these verses. There have been three previous. And if I were summing up the first three, first we saw that renewed minds come from somewhere. They don't come from nowhere. I appeal to you, therefore. Therefore means in view of what I've been saying. And so that word links up the practical instruction of 12 through 16 with the doctrinal instructions of 1 through 11. And this is This is, we talked about it, this is the Holy Spirit's way of reminding us that if the church ignores doctrinal instruction and relies on purely self-help and therapeutic instruction, she will miss the roots, the source of life and strength. The second thing we saw was the nature of spiritual renewal. And I used two words, that it was, that it was, internal and organic, like the decorations, remember, on the Christmas tree? That real spiritual life, it can't just be copied, it can't be attached to the life from the outside, it grows from the inside out, and it's comprehensive, it affects all of life. It doesn't make you perfectly holy in every area of your life instantly, That'll go on progressing until Jesus comes back. But what it does mean, comprehensive in the sense that every part of my life is affected. There is no part of my life that I carry on in unrepentantly to the voice of the Spirit. And then finally, last Sunday night, spiritual life is fueled by the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. The power of thankfulness and devotion for mercy runs much deeper than the power of sheer obedience to a list of rules. Contemplating the mercies of God makes makes godliness a delight rather than a chore. We talked about about Jesus at the Pharisee's house with that woman. And she is weeping and broken, and Jesus tells the Pharisee, the one who has been forgiven much loves much. As you grasp the mercies of God, it brings love out of your heart in a way that just studying commandments never can. That's where we are. Present our living, our bodies as living sacrifices. That's where we are. Point number one, biblical truth isn't understood. Devotion to Christ isn't real until the actions of the body are transformed. True enough, the root of transformation is a renewed mind. True enough, the motive of transformation is the mercies of God, but the effect 
of understanding the mercies of God is fleshed out in the actions of the physical body. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, 12.1. So it's in, it's in the offering of the physical body to the Lord that I move from pretend spirituality to authentic spirituality. We, we don't get what Paul's first readers got when he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. They would have seen something striking in the way he talked about a living sacrifice. Jewish people especially, and I know Paul was writing to Gentiles and Jews, but Jewish readers especially would have known the idea of a sacrifice a lot more vividly than we do here tonight. They had all seen people coming to the priest to offer their sacrifices. And when they came, they brought animals. They brought the bodies of animals. And the priest did something that would never stand in today's society. He'd kill the animal, slit its throat, blood would flow. And the priest, on behalf of the one approaching God, the priest would offer the sacrifice of the body of this animal, presented the body as a sacrifice. They all knew that. They were used to that. That kind of sacrifice is fulfilled with Christ's death on the cross. So, so when Paul talks about we offering our bodies today as living sacrifices, he doesn't mean that we can earn the favor of God by anything we do. We don't offer our bodies in that sense. There were other kinds of sacrifices in the Old Testament. There were sacrifices offered in thankfulness to God's mercy. There were sacrifices dedicated to celebrating the harvest and deliverance. There were all sorts of sacrifices that were made out of gratitude to the grace and mercy of God that Israel had received. Those are the sacrifices Paul is thinking of when he says we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Because of what God's mercy has already accomplished in my life. Through Jesus Christ, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul goes a little bit beyond just asking Jesus into your heart or accepting Christ. It's not just forgiveness that he's talking about. He, he writes to these people, these Christians at Rome... And he says, well and good, you're saved. I want to urge you to test that claim. Has this reached your physical bodies? See those those people coming into the temple to worship? Do you you see the animals going in with them and none of the animals coming out? That's your body belongs to the Lord. So considering all the mercies of God... All that we've received in Jesus Christ, that means I'm coming to an end of a life lived for myself, by myself, on my terms. Don't just give your heart to Jesus. The body has to come with. Remember, what you do with your body counts. Just because the New Testament, talking about sanctification, constantly presses into specific details of our behavior, that doesn't make it legalistic. It's still based on the mercies of God. In view of God's mercy, present your bodies as living sacrifices. This is holiness 
heartfelt, it reaches the body, but it's based on understanding God's mercy. It's not legalism. Okay, point number two. Why do we have physical bodies? You probably, <laughs> you probably don't think about that very much. But God created other creatures without physical bodies. Angels are real beings. They take different forms. They appear in different ways. They're actual entities. They're created beings, but they don't have a physical body like you have. God could have created you any way he wanted. He could have made us in the same fashion, any fashion he chose, but he gave us these bodies. You and I, physical, personal beings, made in the image of God, we have physical bodies, so we will have the greatest capacity to glorify God for his mercy. Think about it. Angels can't because they've never experienced redemption. Jesus never died on the cross for angels, as far as we know. The rest of physical creation can't because it's not made in God's image. And it can't relate to God the way you can and the way I can. So, what that means is we have, of all of creation, we have the most stunning opportunity to glorify God for redemption with physical bodies. I know, I know Jesus said the rocks and stones could cry out. But they didn't sin and they don't have physical bodies. They haven't been redeemed. You and I are physical beings with the greatest opportunity to visibly glorify God for our redemption. We are God's first choice. His first choice to advertise his greatness. We are his first choice to advertise his boundless grace and mercy. God gave you a physical body so you would have an instrument to visibly, externally, in a way people could observe, magnify, and glorify how great he is and how worthy of devotion he is and how worthy of sacrifice he is. That he's praiseworthy, he's prize-worthy for redemption. None of that is accomplished by merely inward salvation. The world can't see the forgiveness of my sins. None of this is accomplished by merely agreeing with doctrinal truths, as important as they are. You were redeemed, and God desires to transform your life continually in order to manifest his greatness through the choices I make, the actions of my physical body, the things I treasure, the things I pursue, not because I had to, but because I delighted in view of his marvelous mercies. God wants me to use my body to show that the creator is desirable above all things. Take a minute. Turn back the clock before we press forward. Think of how in our very first teaching on these verses, we stress the importance of that first word in our text, therefore. It comes the fourth word, I think, in the ESV. Practical teaching might not solve specific problems, 
contemplating God's mercies transforms life in a way that nothing else can. And now we're in a better position to test this. Now we can test this. What does all this talk about presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, why we have physical bodies? What does this actually have to do with life in this world in 2019? So here's the question. What difference does it make when we as a culture and a society, when we forget why God created us with physical bodies? And I'll tell you the difference it makes. More and more, watch the news, read the papers. What difference does it make when young men and young women come to believe that their bodies exist to look good to the opposite sex rather than to display God's Christ-exalting mercy? What difference does it make? I'll tell you the difference it makes. You end up with a world crowded with eating disorders and plastic surgeons. That's what happens when people forget that their bodies were made to glorify God for his mercy. That's what happens. Young women especially fall for the lie that they were made with bodies for magazine covers rather than being vehicles for magnifying God's mercy. You end up with a mixed-up world where men will spend more time working on their abs than on their souls. That's what happens when we forget why God gave us physical bodies. This gets real close to where we live. More people have gym memberships than go to Bible studies and prayer meetings. We need to pray that God is going to raise up bright people. Oh, especially, especially bright youth and young adults who aren't that deceived and have a strong biblical sense about why they're here, why God made them with the bodies he gave them. It's the only road to sanity in this fallen world. So let every act of your body, your physical body, Monday through Sunday, show that Christ is your treasure. Let every act of your body, your physical body, reveal the death of all that dishonors Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. Living sacrifices, he says. Point number three. Dedicating our body as part of our corporate worship patterns. So maybe now we've, hopefully, I've tried to frame the idea of the uniqueness of human beings as being creatures who have been redeemed that's important, who have been redeemed and have physical bodies because we're the only creatures in all of creation who have been redeemed with physical bodies. So I frame the idea that that's important and I've tried to show why, what happens when we forget it. Now I want to wrap up this way because you start to see the wisdom in God's plan. So, so it's important to remember that we are the only creatures who have been redeemed by God's mercy, and have physical bodies. That's important. And if we forget it, we will destroy not only our bodies, but our souls. Okay? That's important. So, what, what, does, what does God do with a church like ours? What does he do to reinforce this idea? We gather here 
right? If you, if you come morning and night, you come to this church about 104 times a year, just on Sundays. And then we have all sorts of midweek stuff. So, so what does God do with a church like Cedarview to help us understand our bodies need to be living sacrifices and we need to magnify him as redeemed beings with physical bodies? What does he do to train us in that? To, to deepen that idea, that concept in our minds. And I'll tell you now, now you start to see why worship in the New Testament church is essentially made with a physical component to it and that it's not just a charismatic thing or a revival thing or a Pentecostal thing. It has to do with why we've been given physical bodies and the way God calls us to approach him constantly reminds us of our, our need to offer these physical bodies to him as we worship. That it isn't just a mental thing. It's not just contemplating certain things, thinking certain things, or even just experiencing forgiveness in your heart. All of those things might be involved, but there's another element to it, and here's why we gather the way we gather. So someone gets saved. They come to Jesus. And they ask him to forgive their sins. And they repent. Does Jesus forgive their sins? How many say he does? Boy, that's barely carried. How many think he does forgive their sins? Okay, good. Do you know what the first thing we do with them? We, we take them over here. Right over here. And we fill this thing with water. And they come out here in a gown in front of a whole bunch of people. And they're people that have their hair done. They, they look pretty. The women have makeup. And, and down they come these steps. And that big brute there, Chris, he's standing right there. You know what he does? He grabs these people. You've seen it. What's he do with them? Whoosh. Now, I want to ask you something. What does asking Jesus into my heart have to do with a person, their whole body, I'm, I'm sorry, but they really don't look all that attractive when they come up out of the water. Why do we do that? Well, the reason we do that is because Jesus, first of all, said to do it. Go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things I command, baptizing them. And I'm taught right from square one in my Christian life that this isn't just about my heart and my sins. It's about this physical body of mine. And in about 20-some-odd minutes, I'm going to read some scripture, and in this service, people are going to come, and they're going to pass a little tray. Here we are. We came to church to worship, to ask Jesus to work in our hearts and lives. What's that happening? You're going to get a little cracker, and you're going to get a little cup of Welch's grape juice. We don't even use real wine. And there you're going to have it. And we're going to eat this little cracker with your physical teeth and your mouth. You're going to swallow it. It'll get processed in your digestive system. You're going to drink. What on earth does that have to do with following Jesus? I can eat and drink anywhere. And we do it because Jesus said to do it. Because following him is an intensely physical thing. It isn't just about your thoughts about him, your loving thoughts about him. And then we're going to sing songs, and someone's going to say, let's raise our hands. You know why we do that? The Apostle Paul said to do that. Along with a zillion examples 
in the Psalms and Solomon and David and a host of other people. It's not just so we're different from Baptists. It's because the Bible says to do that. What's that have to do with anything? But because I want to follow Jesus and I do all sorts of things during the week. Work, signing things, reading things, shaking hands, working with people, signing contracts, playing games. I do it with my hands and, and they're, they're yours. They're yours. Other places in the Bible, we gather and, and we're supposed to do this. You wouldn't believe the number of times where it talks about bowing our knees. This, lifting our head all through the Bible. So my point is, here, here is the way our God reinforces the idea that spirituality is tied to godliness with our physical bodies. What he does is, right at the point where we worship him, he says, I will find ways to drag your physical body into your spiritual life. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to command it. And so as we come, it's intensely physical. It's not wingy. shouldn't be nutty or goofy. But it is physical. These bodies have to be presented as living sacrifices. I'm not prone to want to do that. I want to honor God Here's the battle I face. You do probably as well. I want to honor God devotionally more than I want to eat and play and date and talk and work in honor of him. And so God has this plan that every time he calls me to make specific approach to him, he makes it more, more physical than I'm comfortable with. And we're being called to worship in ways that reinforce physicality. The offering of our bodies. Now, I got about 30 seconds. People, you're right, people can come to church and they can lift their hands and then not honor God on their way home. I get it. It's a very common criticism against visible forms of worship, even scripturally visible forms of worship. The criticism is frequently, well, he's a hypocrite. I see him with his eyes closed and his hands raised. You should see what he's like at work. Okay. Okay, but it really misses the point. Rather than be upset about hypocrites who demonstrate a pattern of worship that they don't live out, I want to make sure, as much as I possibly can, that I'll present my body in the sanctuary in preparation for the physical offering of my body that I will perform all week long. God can worry about the hypocrites, right? Aren't you grateful that he never gave you the assignment of policing all the hypocrites in the body of Christ? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. You know what it is? It's your spiritual worship. And everybody said, 